um, something that I'll never forget. She's like, Jennifer, you are capable of everything because of the eating disorder and in spite of it. Mm. Right. Like you've learned so much from this experience and let's stop demonizing it. Let's stop. Let's stop seeing it as something that's wrong with you. Let's say, Hey, this is just a part of me. And wow. Like look at all the gifts that it's given me. Yes. Um, And so that's very much become part of my own message and working with others um, trying to change the language around how we refer to those parts of ourselves that, you know, often get diagnosed, <laughs> um, and, and become this, this thing that we're harboring, you know, this monster, this demon. And can we instead see those things as gifts, as teachers, as, mm. as, you know, Thanks everyone for tuning in to the Start From Within podcast today. I am so excited to be here with Jennifer Kreatsoulis on this episode. She is one incredible woman. Um, I ended up coming across her information as I started my yoga teaching journey and started thinking about uh, yoga therapy and wanting to find other resources to teach yoga to the eating disorder community. And so I stumbled upon Jennifer's information literally by Google search and searching yoga for eating disorders. And we jumped on a 30-minute introduction call. And from there, it has been absolutely one heck of a ride. So I am super excited to have her on this podcast. She is a yoga instructor, a yoga therapist, an author, a she has her doctorate, a mother, like, and most importantly, just a wonderful, wonderful human. So Jennifer, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Allison. I'm so like, I can't stop smiling like already. Um, thank you for that beautiful introduction. I'm, I'm just so happy to be with you. Yeah, so excited. Uh, well, I have to address that elephant in the room. Um, you know, coping during quarantine and this whole COVID experience, um, it's got to be really hard. How are you dealing with it? And especially in the light of, you know, people dealing with either eating disorders or other mental illnesses, how, how has that process been for you? Well, you know, it's been, it's been hard. You know, I think that we're all feeling the, you know, fear and frustration and worry and, you know, we're in this, this realm of unknown that is really unsettling. And for me personally, um, it's been trying to balance worrying about the world with caring for my family. And a lot of times I've had to take a step back from, you know, say watching the news or being overly worried about the world. And that's not to say I don't care because I do, but having to like take my energy and put it on my family. I have two daughters, six and eight, and I'm, I'm watching them grieve in their own ways. You know, they don't know, recognize what they're feeling as grief, but they're really sad. They miss being at school. They miss their friends and they don't know when they're going to see their friends again. 
they're they're learn they have to learn at home, which isn't the way that they want to learn or like to learn. And they're learning from their parents who are not teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm I'm watching them really closely to make sure that they know that they are seen and they are heard, especially my third grader, you know, at least once a week she'll she'll break down and just cry and and share that she feels lonely. Um, that she really misses her friends and just really making sure that I have as much energy as possible to not only be a role model during this time, which I feel is being honest and vulnerable, but also, you know, being that voice of trying to, you know, show what's positive about right now and being grateful for what we have and the importance of, of praying or putting out well wishes into the world for other people as they're navigating this. Um, you know, yesterday we were taking a walk for the dog and with the dog and my daughter said, you know, mommy, if we, this wasn't happening, we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't be doing this walk right now. And it was kind of one of those moments where I could say, yeah, this is one of those moments where we can see the positive in it. So I think I'm coping to get back to your original question. Um, I'm coping by trying to make sure that my family has the space they need to feel what they need to feel. And then I'm also trying to do the best that I can to keep up with my personal self-care, um, which right now is really going to bed as early as possible because I'm up really early caring for my entire family and am burned out by the end of the day. And letting go of any guilt around that, you know, um, just going to bed and recognizing that I need some quiet um, to help balance out my, my needs and my self-care. Um, also trying to be really good about basic needs like hydration and nutrition, um, sleep, um, because I think being in a crisis mode, we can fall into this belief that because we're in crisis, things can't be normal. And that sometimes translates into things can't be normal. So I shouldn't, I can't take care of myself, right? It's just this kind of strange connection that we can make. Um, and it's also that our nervous systems are really amped up and we're afraid, so trying yeah. to keep basic needs um, front and center. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's a trying time for everybody. And yeah, being able to put put those self-care needs and just take care of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We got we to gotta be there and, or else we're not going to be able to show up for others. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I know you post, so you have uh, the Yoga for Eating Disorders uh part of your business and your day to day. And I'm part of that Facebook group. And I see a lot of posts, you know, supporting people during this time that maybe are struggling with eating disorder or struggling with other mental illness. What are some um, tips or things that you have found in the community that maybe others have shared or you have found to be helpful? What I'm finding to be helpful is connection because we're all feeling isolated in some way or another. We're all feeling cut off from our social groups, our, you know, our peer groups, our work groups, um, daily activities. Like, you know, I'm way overdue for a haircut, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like just daily things in our, in our, in our lives. Um, And so I've created um, every Wednesday at two o'clock, a 30 minute free connection call where people can come and it's not a therapy group. It's just an opportunity for people to come and connect. And in that group, we share like what's going well, what's feeling like a struggle, 
people get an opportunity to feel seen and heard and validated and maybe even cheer somebody else on. And just that 30 minutes of connection, you know, where you can smile at someone, you can laugh with someone, you can hear something and say, oh, I feel that way too. I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that is proving to be really helpful. And, you know, that's only 30 minutes. And I'm certainly not the only person doing those types of those groups. So I would say if you're craving connection to see what else, what is out there, um, you know, in terms of some, some support groups, um, certainly everyone is welcome to join my connection call. It's posted on my website. Um, I know that the national eating disorder association has some great resources that are available for support. So I highly recommend checking, checking that out. Um, in terms of meal support, um, there is an Instagram group. Um, I think it's called COVID-19 meal support and they have meal support all day long for free. Um, and I, I, to be honest, I haven't checked out, um, some other types of groups beyond eating disorders. Um, but I know that they're out there and I think connection can be so such a lifeline right now. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. And I think sometimes right now during this, it's just, it's getting back to those roots. And, um, I've been really realizing in my own life that it's not having to do these grand gestures or these things. Like it's just holding space for people and providing a space for people to just show up and connect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So with yoga for eating disorders, can you tell us all like, what is it? How did you start it? And yeah, like your journey to creating yoga for eating disorders. Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, well, I've been in my own personal, you know, eating disorder recovery journey for over 20 years and started teaching yoga way back when, a long, long time ago, um, after I was first, you know, going through recovery and was able to be in a stable enough place to introduce activity back into my life because an exercise addiction had been part of the eating disorder. Um, and yoga was a, came to be a very essential part of my healing. And I taught for a long time and went to grad school and got married and had kids and in all that mess, <laughs> a beautiful mess. Um, my yoga practice fell away and stopped teaching and the overwhelm of life, how to relapse of the eating disorder, went into treatment when my babies were truly babies. And that was such a painful time, but it was really the best thing that I could have done because it showed me that, you know, the overwhelm of life isn't going to diminish anytime soon, especially as a new mom. So it brought on the question of, you know, what do I need to have in my life to stay well? And certainly Yoga was one of those things on the list, at the top of the list. I knew I needed to get back to my practice. I knew I needed to, you know, think about teaching again. Um, I came out of treatment and once I got strong enough, started working with a life coach and, you know, I had been in a career as a medical writer and that was all fine and good, but it, it really wasn't my passion. And so I somehow, I don't even know how, through the magic of Google, ended up learning about this yoga therapy program in my area, signed up for it. It was a three-year program. Had no realization that I was going to work with others in recovery, but it was just through that process of going through the training that I realized that if I was going to have, be an expert in anything, it's eating disorder recovery because I'd been doing it for so long. Um, and I'd been working so hard at it. And I was 
really strong in my my healing once again. And it just became clear to me that's what I was meant to do. So I started Yoga for Eating Disorders. I work with people one-on-one as a yoga therapist, a certified yoga therapist. So that's, you know, over like a thousand hours of training. It's very specialized. Um, and so, and I work with people one-on-one from all over the world, which has been really exciting. Um, and then in addition to my one-on-one work, I lead groups, um, actually leading a mentoring group right now for yoga teachers who want to work with the eating disorder population. Um, wonderful first cohort, um, 35 people from all over the world who are saying, Hey, like, I'm really passionate about, you know, serving the eating disorder community because of my own journey, but I don't have anybody to talk to about it with. Mm. So we're coming together and, and creating a community. Um, so that's really exciting. And I, I travel around and I speak on recovery on a lot of related topics. Um, I'm writing my second book right now called On the Other Side of Hunger, um, which will be out next year. And you mentioned the Yoga for Eating Disorders community Facebook group, um, which is growing and getting a lot of momentum and actually about to convert it into like an online yoga school for eating disorder recovery, where we're going to have themes every month and, you know, lots of practices and meditations and lectures and guest speakers and it's going to be really exciting. So lots of stuff coming and yeah. Um, yeah. You've got a lot right. going on. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's really cool to see all the different facets of the way that you're being able to, to support others. So did you always know, like when you started that yoga therapy journey, did you always know with the intention that you wanted it to be focused on eating disorders or when did you kind of have that realization of, Oh, I want to, I want to start this like yoga for eating disorders thing. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So no, I did not have the intention of working with others in recovery. It never even crossed my mind. Um, it was when I was in the program and I decided to seek out yoga therapy for myself because I thought, okay, I'm in training for it to be a yoga therapist. I have no idea what this looks like. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, you know, I, I will be a better yoga therapist if I experience it myself. And in that process, of course, the eating disorder stuff came up and worked through it via the lens of yoga therapy and had just like healed in ways that I hadn't up to that point. Mm. But the, my yoga therapist had said, said to me, um, something that I'll never forget. She's like, Jennifer, you are capable of everything because of the eating disorder and in spite of it. Mm. Right? Like you've learned so much from this experience and let's stop demonizing it. Let's stop. Let's stop seeing it as something that's wrong with you. Let's say, Hey, this is just a part of me. And wow. Like look at all the gifts that it's given me. Yes. Um, and so that's very much become part of my own message and working with others, um, trying to change the language around how we refer to those parts of ourselves that, you know, often get diagnosed <laughs> um, and and become this, this thing that we're harboring, you know, this monster, this demon. And can we instead see those things as gifts, as teachers, as, mm. as you know, wisdom? Um, so that's kind of what clicked in place for me that this was my calling. And once I became aware of it, man, the universe has just been serving it up. Like 
I get signs every day that, yes, this is what you're meant to be doing. So I'm really lucky. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I know when I started working with you, that was definitely something, you know, I started to really focus on was treating experiences that we've had, past that we've had that maybe may we deemed before as like, oh, that's a part of me, but that's not me. And really just coming to understand all that we've learned from these experiences and there is no good or bad experience. It just is. And so what are, what are some things that you have learned through your eating disorder journey that has helped to bring you to where you are today? So many, so many things. I mean, I think of myself in terms of like, you know, a role model for my children, you know, because of what I've gone through, I can, really know so deeply and intensely how language affects us, especially language around food and bodies. And so really because of that knowledge, trying to create a foundation for my kids where food isn't good or bad, you know, and bodies aren't good or bad, um, that, you know, we don't, their worth isn't dependent on the shape of their body, the kind of food they eat, you know, just really trying to help build a freedom in them around food and body. So that's been a great gift. I don't know if I would have had that awareness. Mm. if I hadn't gone through this. Um, I think I know myself so well, you know, like I know how I respond when I feel overwhelmed. I know how I respond when I feel sad. I know what's going on with me when I feel angry or I'm dealing with the unknown or right. Like I've learned how my body and my mind give me cues about like, okay, so you're feeling like you want to restrict. Hmm, let's just pause for a second and see what that is. That What's that message there? Oh, it's because you're overwhelmed. Okay. Now how can I help myself in this moment? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, I really believe so much of recovery is about learning to respond differently to habitual thoughts and behaviors, right? Because they don't just go away overnight. And we can start feeling like we're not doing recovery right because I'm still having these thoughts or whatever. Well, you know, they will start to diminish, but we have to start responding to them differently first. Mm. Yes. Right? Yeah. And to to respond to them differently is to say, okay, what is this trying, what is this thought trying to really tell me? I'm overwhelmed. Okay. How can I help myself in this moment? Right. So I've just, I've just become so aware of, of myself and that has helped me to then say, you know, ask the question, how can I help myself in this moment? Mm. Yes. Yeah. That makes me think of something that I I've learned throughout my journey of like how we rewire our brains Mm -hmm. and how, because of these behaviors, whether that's someone listening that has struggled with eating disorder or mental health or even anything that we do, like we create these lines in our brain, the more we do them, the more ingrained they are. And so when you get banned at yourself, Oh man, I'm not doing recovery right. Or why can't I break this habit? It's because it's, it's so ingrained in your brain. So it, it's really that ability to be so self-reflective and so in tune with your inner self that you can stop and say, Oh, whoa, rather than, okay, I'm anxious. I'm going to go run. It's I'm anxious. Whoa, stop. Let me feel that anxiety. What is this anxiety telling me? 
do I need to run or do I need to just sit with this? And like, there's just so much in there of when you're mentioning, you know, being able to identify, recognize, and then realize, okay, how can I react in a way that's going to serve me and support me? Absolutely. Mm. So with yoga therapy, I mean, I, I was very unsure. I'm like, what is this yoga therapy? When we first talked, can you share with us more of like, what is yoga therapy and what is the difference between just practicing yoga and going to a studio versus yoga therapy? Absolutely. So yoga therapy is very different than practicing yoga and going to a class. Instead of a class setting, this is a one-on-one experience. And yoga therapy essentially is bringing in the tools, the practices, the philosophies of yoga to support people in the changes they want to make in their lives. And so, you know, sessions are very organic, meaning they're not, you know, 60 minutes of movement. Um, It might include some talking. It might include some bringing in some movement, maybe a breathing practice, a meditation, um, bringing in a philosophy to help create a new perspective or shift a core belief. It's an, uh, it's a, it's a way to basically apply yoga to your lived experience. And so in my work with my clients, you know, we're not processing the past. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychotherapist. We're saying like, okay, what's coming up for you right now? You know, maybe it's body image. Maybe you're struggling with urges. Maybe, um, there's a core belief of like not being good enough. That's really getting in the way of you pursuing a dream or whatever it is. Um, maybe it's anxiety around meals, whatever it is. Um, my job is to say, okay, let's, let's talk about this a little bit, but then let's figure out how can we create a practice or a tool or give you some space to experience, um, some, you know, inner calm, um, and then apply that in your life so that we are starting to build new pathways in the brain, right? Because with these types of practices, it's the repetition that makes the difference. So we'll work on something in session and then we'll end the session with setting like a small goal of how the client's going to integrate that into their life. And I'm there to support them through that, to help with accountability, um, you know, to work together for as long as is helpful. I'm, you know, I'm definitely like to see myself as part of an outpatient team, right? So, but I don't take the place of a therapist, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like a simpler way to put it is as clients working with their dietitian or their therapist and a lot of craps getting stirred up, they come to me and I help them cope in a healthy way. Mm. That's awesome. What are some lessons that you've learned from, from being a yoga therapist? And obviously you don't need to touch on specific client stories, but, um, either things you've learned about yourself or you're like, wow, that I've really seen this impact a client in, in a really meaningful way. I think it's the ability to hold space, right. To be really present to someone, to really listen deeply and allow that person to know that they're being seen and heard. You know, I think we all crave to feel validated. And yoga therapy, you know, at least in the way that I, I practice, what I value as a yoga, being a yoga therapist is that ability to hold space, 
let people know that they are seen and heard and validated. Mm-hmm. And I'm also witnessing the power of lived experience, direct experience. So when we do a practice in session, and the practice could mean a five-minute breathing practice. It could mean sitting in a chair and doing a few poses. It could mean a guided meditation. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. But we, I'm really seeing, and I've always known this for myself, but seeing in others that we have to include our bodies in healing our minds. Mm. Have to. And so when we do a practice together and they come out the other side with a revelation, a realization, um, you know, a new insight, five minutes of connecting to their bodies in a kind way. Like it is, it's really powerful, you know, because we live in our heads. We're talking all the time. We need to get into our bodies. And I know that that's really uncomfortable for people struggling with eating disorders. So being able to set up experiences that are safe and then offer support to process through it. It's really powerful stuff. Yeah. I love what you said about, we have to also be in our bodies to heal our minds. When I, when I first started going through recovery, um, I wasn't, I also struggled with overexercise and exercise addiction, and I wasn't allowed to be in my body for, at least in the way that I thought for months. And it was, the treatment team was like, nope, you, you got it. You got to figure out your mind stuff. Maybe you can go back to exercise. But what happened and why I feel like I relapsed was because I never healed in my body. I only healed in my mind. So when I went back to move in my body, I went back to just what I was doing before. Cause that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. And so it's so often, you know, we, we try to disconnect our bodies from our mind, but there, there's one whole thing. And that's why yoga, people are like, this yoga thing is so different and I love it. Like when I have new students and they're like, it's for the first time that I feel like I'm not being told to just change my body. And I'm like, yes, because the first time you're doing movement where your brain is also connected, you're having to pay attention to your breath and your yeah. thoughts and your body all at once. It's not saying <laughs> go for a run, put on TV and disconnect. It's saying, what are your thoughts? How are you using your breath to cope with those thoughts? And then what do you feel in your body? So like, that's where the healing comes when, it, when we don't treat it as like this or that it's, it's all one. Absolutely. That's so beautifully said. Yeah. Mm, yes. Okay. So thinking about like relationships with body and everything. How, how has your relationship with your body evolved over time? And if, if you want to share any part of like of your story with your eating disorder and how, how you've come to kind of the place that you're, you're at now. Yeah. Um, well, all through, you know, my younger years, I was an athlete. I just loved playing sports, you know, like basketball was my first love. There's nothing that I enjoyed more than being on a team, playing hard, being aggressive, sweating my face off, you know, just like I was the kid that on a Saturday morning was up at the playground practicing layups at eight o'clock in the morning. You know, like I just lived for it. It made me so happy. It came naturally to me, you know, like it, you know, just they, that was some of the best years, you know, memories of being on basketball team. Um, and I miss it so much, but so I've always you know, been active. And it wasn't until college that I had any awareness really of like my body in terms of what it looked like. You know, for me, it was just like, I am 
doing my thing. Like I'm boxing out, I'm shooting, I'm running, I'm, I'm just using my body to experience the game, you know, and be the best that I can. And, um, college that changed, you know, um, I joined the crew team and I loved crew. My freshman year was like just so much fun. And then sophomore year, we got a different coach and he made a comment about how, um, you know, he said, I can tell how hard you work by how your body changes. And he said this to a group of girls, you know, and the way I received those words, um, is what kind of put the eating disorder in motion for me. I'm not blaming the coach. It was the way I received the words. It, you know, to me, that was, I was being challenged to prove myself through my body. I was being challenged to prove my work ethic through my body. And I valued my work ethic so much. You know, I was a perfectionist, a people pleaser, you know, approval seeker. I wanted to be the best teammate. I wanted, you know, like this was just who I was. You know, these are all perfect ingredients for an eating disorder. Um, and it was also in my genes. So that, that kind of set in motion a very different relationship with my body where now my body was something that I had to control and I had to tame it. And I, it had to be an outward symbol of how hard I work. And of course, living in our culture where, you know, the, you know, we value thinness, right. It only made sense then that how I could prove myself through my body was to shrink. Um, so that just put into motion the, the exercise addiction, um, the, the loathing of my body. Um, that's when things just really went downhill. Yoga helped to shift that, um, and to find appreciation for my body and respect and build trust with my body again. And that's something that has stayed with me, you know, for over 20 years that those lessons that I learned in yoga. And now that I'm, you know, in my forties and in perimenopause, which by the way, is no freaking fun. Um, <laughs> it's interesting when I do my movement now, whether that's not or walking, or I go for like a, a short run a couple of times a week because I enjoy it. Um, my, my intention for my movement is, is to age in a well-cared-for body. That is my relationship with my body right now. I'm thinking about longevity, and I'm thinking about how can I, yeah, how can I age in a well-cared-for body? Mm. And so what do I need to do to care for my body as I age? And that is such a wonderful shift in perspective from where I was 20 years ago, yes. you know? And so I no longer compete with myself. You know, if I'm going for a run and I want to walk, I'm going to walk. I don't really care. Like, I don't need to compete with myself. That being said, I know myself well enough that I have to honor limitations because although I'm not actively in an eating disorder, I also know that if I go for a run much longer than 30 minutes, some of that old thinking is going to turn on and it is going to turn into starting to compete with myself. And it's just different, different thoughts are going to start coming in and I really don't have the time for them. And I really don't, I don't want to hear them. I don't, I, I don't need them in my day. And so I can say, you know what? I go for my walk. I enjoy it. 
I stay within the realm of what I know is going to serve my soul. Mm. Um, because then I'm caring for my body in a kind way. Yes. Yes. And kudos to you for being able to recognize that and also honor that. Um, that's such a challenging practice and something I know I still struggle with. And, um, I love, I love what you said about, you know, age in a caring way, like treat my body in a way that I can age in a caring way. And it makes me think about what if, what if we adopted that thinking when we were in our teens and whatnot, not saying that like, we can't go run and do all these fun things. That's, that's not the point, but like just the mind shift of, okay, me spending 20 minutes on Instagram, comparing myself to everybody, everybody on there. Am I caring for my body in, in a way that's going to make me be supported? And I hope likely the answer is no, but it's asking those things, whether it's around movement or it's around just, um, yeah, the way, the way we view our body. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, so, so you have a book out, um, can you explain like why, why did you write the book? You, you are a writer, um, by nature. And so how, how is that process? And you, you wrote it with a co-author as well, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So Body Mindful Yoga came out in 2018 and that book is about how we can call on our yoga practices to support our body image. And within that process is thinking about language and how we receive language, use language, interpret language, and how that all translates into how we're feeling about our bodies. So that book came about because I had been thinking about how to make yoga practices more accessible and safe for the eating disorder community. And in talking with my co-author, Bob Utera, who's also my primary yoga therapy teacher and mentor, um, you know, he made this comment around, you know, we can't, we can't help others heal until we authentically heal the language within ourselves. Like, so we can't change other people's language until we change the language within ourselves. And that got us thinking about different aspects of society, like language used around food, for example, you know, so much of the language around food in our world is about morality, good and bad, good and bad food right? Thinking about the language around fitness. It's all combat. It's like we're doing battle with our bodies, you know, and thinking about social media and how social media is a wonderful outlet to connect with others, to have a sense of belonging. I mean, that, that connects directly to our primal instinct for, you know, being part of a tribe. However, we need to be aware of when that crosses over to being, you know, external, dependent on external validators, right? And what's the language that goes with that? And then thinking about the fashion industry and status and what is our narratives around that. So the book, the first half of the book is looking at these different facets of society and putting out some um, information on how these, these different facets, the language that's being used and setting up some journaling exercises about, you know, how does this language resonate with you? What's showing up in your internal dialogues? How does this affect your body image and all that? And then the second half of the book is looking at how we can use yoga to create new language, how we can use yoga to create new language within ourselves and um, support a body affirming relationship. Mm. Yes. 
Yes. And I I've gotten the book. I've read it. I've done the journaling. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, for those listening that maybe are yoga teachers or even like, I think this is really helpful for anybody working with others. Um, what are some strategies when, when thinking about, you know, teaching and words maybe that could be, could be triggering that we didn't even realize? Yeah. I mean, that's such a huge question. Um, I'd say come to my mentoring group. <laughs> um, but it's such a big question, Allison. I, I would say, first and foremost, to help answer that question, think about your own relationship with your body. What do you know to be true about what parts of your body you're sensitive about? Think about what you know from the larger society about social messages that you find disturbing or triggering or push your buttons and then draw on your lived experience, your wisdom about what you know from your own relationship with your body and what you know about the messages that don't align with your values and do your best to not replicate them in your teaching. Yes. Because we want to make our yoga spaces as safe as possible we don't need to be replicating messages about fitness boxes and all this crap that really does not belong in the yoga room. Um, so there's so much more I could say about this. Um, it's a topic I'm so passionate about. Feel free if you're listening and you want to talk more to email me. Um, I'm going to be offering these mentoring groups year round. So would love to get you involved. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great place to start of just being aware of what is, what is triggering for you. Even if I think a lot of times people are like, Oh, well, I don't have a diagnosed eating disorder. Right. But we're, we're all affected by body image, men, women, any, all genders, all identities, you know, we're all affected. We don't need a diagnosis. We're all on some spectrum in our relationship with our bodies and probably this food too, you know? So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, if you could tell your younger self anything, what, what would you tell her? I would tell her, oh, these types of questions always choke me up. Um, <laughs> I would tell her to stay aware of how her experience will prepare her to serve others. I love that. Love that. Um, and being a mom, um, having two daughters, how you've touched on this earlier, but how has your experience, um, really shaped the way that you, you speak to them and how, what lessons have you been able to instill in them? And also what lessons have they been able to instill in you? Oh my gosh, they have taught me so much. I mean, uh, they have taught me so much about hunger, you know, because children, they are all instincts. They're just primal instincts. Their hunger, their fullness. Um, You watch children, they are just so free with food. And they're so, there's just no value judgment on being hungry or being full. You know, um, 
And they've taught me that, you know, hunger always comes back, right? Like it always comes back. So we might as well just get to know it and make friends with it and appreciate it and see it as wisdom, like our body's wisdom talking to us. Um, but truly seeing them so free, carefree with, with food has been a beautiful thing and something that I so intentionally never, ever want to take away from them. Right. Mm. And so, um, like I shared earlier, you know, we don't talk about food in terms of good or bad. Um, all food is neutral. You know, we might talk about quality, right? Like nutrition, things like that, but we're not going to demonize sugar and we're not going to demonize carbs and we're not going to demonize fats or proteins. Like it's all what we need to build our, our bodies and our minds and our souls. So we try to talk about food in those ways. Um, I'll tell you, it can be really challenging um, because sometimes the children don't necessarily have awareness of when they are full, right? And so mm-hmm. trying to find the right language around getting them in touch with their bodies and um, making sure that there's no shaming going on. And I mean, that would never be in it, my intention or another parent's. It, you just have to be mindful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we think about exercise, it's, it's about movement. It's about playing and joyful movement and, you know, what our miraculous bodies are capable of. It's not about comparing or competition or body parts. We don't talk about body parts. Um, we talk about values and virtues. We talk about, wow, that's so courageous or brave or, you know, um, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. they're, they're the things that I've learned. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And just, just trying to take judgment. There's so much judgment in the world. So being able to remove judgment in places is, is so, so important. It is. It is. Yeah. Mm, Okay. I have one final question for you. I ask everybody this, but what does it mean to you to start from within? Means giving myself permission to listen you know, to just listen to my needs, to listen to sensations, to listen to feelings, to not push any of it away, you know, um, to really give myself space to attend to whatever it is I'm hearing and then taking the right action to support myself in whatever terms that means on a given day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So good. Oh, well, I am so glad you were able to be here, even if it was virtually and connect with you. You are such a joy and doing so much uh, for, for this community as well as just bringing so much light to the world. So Thank you so much. There will be notes in the show notes about uh, Jennifer's, all all the incredible things she's doing from her books to communities uh, and ways that you can check her out. So thank you so, so much. It has been such a pleasure. I appreciate you. So much for a great conversation, Allison.
Thanks so much for tuning into the Start From Within podcast. My name is Alison Pesta, and remember, we all have to start from somewhere, so why not start from within? You are always, always enough.